3: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three, four. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami.
1: Who's the winner? Some may
4: say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Chud, and
3: Rami.
1: And corrupt... What are some other words to describe Jonathan Harrison? Rogue. Rogue. He's gone rogue quite a bit. Crafty. Corrupt, crafty rogue producer. Jonathan Harrison. From
2: the Crafty Rogues uh, show. Scandalous. I see what what you did there. (laughs) Uh, So three questions <laughs> your minus point for Robbie
1: <laughs> three questions a point for the winner of each question and a trivia tiebreaker if needed let's uh, let's fire this up in fact I believe we have accompanying audio for this first yes. question
0: so uh we just got word yesterday and we talked about it all day yesterday that Gerson Rosas is the new wolves president of basketball operation. John Krasinski was on with caller earlier today here's his assessment of Gerson Rosas.
3: Well, look, yeah, he comes from uh, uh an organization that has long been known as a forward-thinking, envelope-pushing type of an outfit, um, one that is not afraid to make changes, one that is not afraid to experiment and to uh, try new things. And I think one of the things that has plagued the Wolves for quite a while is, is kind of this depiction of them as more of an old-school franchise, of one that that it, you know, isn't willing to go outside the box. And, and certainly you look at what the Rockets have built in the Western conference. I mean, they are, um, they're one of the cream of the crop with the Warriors. They're super stable. Rosas has been there for 16 years, um, has had all sorts of experiences, uh, in in different facets of that organization. And they've done a really good job with player development and with helping players get better in their system. And so Um, that's what the Wolves need here. They need someone to come in and help Andrew Wiggins and Tyus Jones and um, Josh Kogi and all these guys get better. That's just been one of the things that they haven't been able to do very much uh, under the previous regime.
0: So with that being said, I want your guys' pecking order of the top three moves Mr. Rosas has to do as the new Wolves president of basketball operations. I'll
4: lead this one off. Um, One, I need to go and hire my general manager and my coach and tell Glenn Taylor to stay the hell out of that process. (laughs) I'll hire who I want to hire. That's step one. Step two, I call 29 teams around the NBA and see what you're willing to give me and what I have to package up to get rid of Andrew Wiggins. And then three, I start researching for the draft because I got to find my diamond in the rough, maybe from Europe with what will probably be the 10th pick, in the NBA draft. Those are the three moves in that order that I have to make if I'm Garrison Rosas. Okay. Um, I
1: I would say uh, move. Number one is trade Andrew Wiggins for someone else's bad contract. So I, I don't, I think, I think there's a path to trade him. One of those paths involves attach assets like a first round pick or multiple picks just to get rid of him to a team with cap space and a team that's maybe, yeah, pick a team that's at the bottom of the barrel Still interested in tanking, but has room to absorb the contract and would maybe be willing to take a flyer on him for a couple years and then maybe they'd try to trade him. But I also think you could just take on another bad contract. Like I'd rather have somebody less ball hoggy. There's been a lot of people talking about the Kelly Olenek contract and Dion Waiters in Miami. Like I'd honestly rather have those two guys than Andrew Wiggins. I mean, Kelly O'Linnick is at least decent for twelve or fifteen minutes. Wiggins is out there for 30 minutes and hogs all the shots and and just like doesn't understand where to shoot from. So number one, fix the Andrew Wiggins thing, not by fixing him, but by shipping him away. Number two, bring in at least five guys who can shoot three pointers, be, be it the draft or free agency or trades. And number three, get Kevin Garnett back to the franchise in some capacity. Just bring him back, work with Carl Anthony Towns. I just, he, Kevin Garnett needs to be at games, be a marketing presence. So, Trade under Wiggins, bring in a bunch of three-point shooters, and get KG back in the good graces. Those are the three moves.
2: The KG idea I love, but that's not in my top three. Uh, a year ago, when the Wild was trying to fight a GM, Louis came on the old show and said, you tell the owner what he wants to hear until you get the job, and then you do what you want. To Rami's point, number one, I tell Glenn, I say, here's the deal. I'll sit down with Ryan I'll give him consideration, but it's going to be my coach. It's not your coach. It's my coach. And I don't care how attached you are to the kid, but I've got the job now. Unless you want me to quit, we're doing it my way. I then call, as an extension of one, I call in Scott Layden and I say, Scott, you know what? You're being paid a lot. That's awesome. You are still part of the organization. I'm sending you to Russia to scout for the winter. And your title is now pencil pusher. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> That's it. But you will spend the winter in Siberia and bring back some good basketball players. I mean, some good basketball players have come from Russia. Yes, and they have. Europe. Absolutely. Ex- exactly Luka right. So you are going to be nowhere near Target Center during the course of the, the season. And in fact, I want oh, yeah, your passport. Bogdanovic. I want your passport to be up to date because you are going to be in Siberia for the duration of the winter. It gets cold there. Take a coat. Number two on my list uh, to what both of the, these guys said it has to be how to deal with Andrew Wiggins. And I think the reality is, I don't know if Phil is right or not. If he's right, that's ideal. I'm going to assume he's not. I'm going to assume I call everybody else, 29 teams, and they're like, are you kidding me? You know, come on, Rosas, we're not stupid. We're dumb, but we're not stupid. So what I do is, is I call in my new coach. I call in Andrew, and I sit them down, and I say, all right, we're going to come to a method of how we're going to do this. And Andrew, you are going to do exactly what we tell you. You are not going to shoot your long two pointers, and you're not going to shoot from the perimeter. According to our guy Danny Cunningham, there is an area on the court from basically the the baseline where this kid can shoot. We're going to set up, but th- we're going to set up, and that's where you're going to shoot from. But you're going to do exactly what we say. And if you don't, you're not going to to play. And if Glenn objects, I will say Glenn. I'm going to quit or we're going to do things my way. You hired me, so be quiet. Sit down, watch the game, and shut up. Eat some popcorn. In uh, num- you, your sweaters. <laughs> number Exactly. No, number three is going to be different from what these guys said. And I hate to say this because it goes against every Zolgadian philosophy, but in the NBA in 2019, I believe it to be true. I sit down with the most important member of this franchise, and it's not Glenn Taylor, and it's not my new coach, and it's not the popcorn guy, and it's not Ethan Casson. it is Cat. I sit Cat down and I say, how do you see this going? I can't promise you that I can do everything you want, but we need to get you to a point where you are the focal point of this franchise, where, where you are as happy as possible. You are the most important, including me, you are the most important employee here. So, Carl, you tell me what you need and I will do my best to accomplish that. So, so that in three years, you're not saying, why am I still here? So, those are my three things.
0: Okay. I kind of like a little bit of everything you guys are going with. I like hiring your own coach and GM, Phil Arami, uh, and telling Glenn Taylor to stay out of the process because he's had a, he has a bad track record of, All of that get Taylor out of this process. I like the fact that Phil, you brought up bringing KG back to the franchise. I want KG's number in the rafters. It should have been a long time ago. He should definitely be a part owner of this team at some point here. And if you can make that happen, make it happen. But Judd hit on the thing that I was waiting for getting Kat's ideas on how to make this franchise his own franchise, because Kat's the biggest player on your team. He's the best player on your team and he is the future and you don't want him leaving so, Judd, I did not screw you this time. You've got a point. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, I hope, hoped you liked my laden to Siberia point, too. I did. Okay, good. That was good. <laughs> that I was a so. lot of fun. I like the idea of taking unemployed an and sending that person to Siberia. Uh, question number two. Road. Yes, question number two. So, last night in the Champions League, Lionel Messi, one of the greatest soccer players of all time, if not the best, curled in an absolutely beautiful free kick into the top, nine, or top corner of the goal. And it was the, his second goal of the game. It put Barcelona up 3-0 over Liverpool in the semifinals of the Champions League.
1: We actually have audio of the goal. Did you know that? Yeah.
2: No! (laughs) It's down to Robbie and John now.
0: (laughs) That's pretty much what it sounded like in the stadium. So the fans who... This game took place in Barcelona. So it's his home stadium where he's played all of his career for about 15 years now. These fans, week in and week out, have seen him. But still... They chanted his name like they've never chanted it before. And they did something that I rarely see in sports, if ever, in this country. They legitimately like, started bowing down to this man wow. and treating him like he was a god because he is a god of soccer.
1: Didn't uh, Target Center do that when Andrew Wiggins hit a free throw inside of two minutes in a close <laughs> I game? That. Last last yeah. have, yes. I remember that. Okay.
0: So what athlete in your time watching Terrible. sports should have garnered the bowing down reaction and treating him as if he was a god of that sport? Wow. The first
1: name, I'll take this one first. The, right. the, the first name that popped into my head, I almost feel like, well, American sports fans don't get that. Yeah. For some reason, it's just, it's there are raucous crowds and stuff, but it's not as organized. There's not like organized chanting and bowing and things like that. There's not like group worship as much right. as in, uh, in other countries. But I feel like when you have a guy in the NBA who's pulling up from 35 feet every single night and turning his back on the hoop because he knows it's going in. Steph Curry is doing things with a basketball and on a basketball court that we've never seen in a hundred years. Like imagine when James Naismith put a peach basket up on a pole. If you say, Hey, at some point there's going to be a guy who shoots the ball from 35 feet on a regular basis. And it goes, it goes in without touching any part of the peach basket. And like, he turns his back when it, when it goes in, cause he knows it's going in. So I, I almost feel like Steph Curry deserves the worship treatment a lot more than, than maybe he gets it. Even though people could say he's petulant and whiny and throws his mouth guard and stuff. Like, I get that stuff, too.
2: But he's doing stuff that we've never seen before in a basketball court.
0: Okay.
2: I'm going to go to my sport. And, and Gretzky scored a ton of just great goals. But I'm going to go to to the messy example and give you one goal by this guy who scored several great goals. But this is one of the most fantastic goals that I have ever have seen, will see, until the day I die. Game two, 1991 Stanley Cup finals, Pittsburgh Penguins, Mario Lemieux against the North Stars, uh, in the igloo in Pittsburgh. And Lemieux brings the puck over the blue line and he's got two defensemen against him. He dances around one and, and he, he's got a North Star defenseman by the name of Sean Chambers. He, and this is still shown to this day quite a bit, actually. He puts the puck through Chambers' legs, moves in on John Casey, goes as I recall forehand to backhand, draws Casey out. Casey dives, basically looks completely lost. Mario scores. It is what it's I, I believe it's still in the opening, if I'm not mistaken, to to hockey night in Canada, but it's the same type of goal. And if anything was ever going to not just get people out of their seats, but start bowing. That's one of the most incredible goals in a huge game I've ever seen. Okay, All right.
4: Um, I, I was spo- spoiled in my childhood as far as great athletes go because I had Walter Payton with the Bears. I had Michael Jordan with the Bulls. But you said that American sports crowds aren't as organized as some European sports crowds. But I can give you an example that is almost exactly what they did for Messi After scoring that goal, when Andre Dawson was in his heyday for the Chicago Cubs, the right field bleachers were known as Andre's Army. And they would all wear t-shirts with like a, a military logo across the front. And it just said Andre's Army in the middle. And whenever he would hit a home run, when he would run back out to right field for the bottom half of the inning, everybody would bow in sync and chant Andre, Andre, Andre. And it was... It was amazing. It's one of the coolest fan yeah. experiences I've ever been a part of, and the closest thing to what we're talking about with Lionel Messi and that goal yesterday. Yeah, um, the, the Twins fans tried to worship Chuck Knobloch
1: in that uh, way. It yeah. wound up being batteries
4: and hot dogs <laughs> that they threw at him when he was in the
1: Yankee. They weren't doing
2: good the hot bowing dogs. down motion, they were doing the throwing motion. I got what Those you're doing. Those were perfectly good
4: hot dogs. <laughs> Never right. throw away a hot dog, unless it has ketchup on it, then it's garbage.
0: I, uh, uh, I like where Rami was going because it was fans who were actually bowing down, but it started off with a little too much bragging about your childhood and getting to witness actual mm, good sports. No. So sorry, I really.
4: really I sometimes I don't know about you as a person. <laughs>
0: you have won the last two. <laughs> I know. I know. Phil, I like Steph Curry because it's recent, and that's kind of where Messi is right now. He's recent, and he's been doing things that we don't, we haven't seen on a basketball court before. But Judd, the fact that you could remember this from what was in 1991, yeah. every little detail, the yeah. players' faces. That 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 amazes me. You get the point here.
2: Wow. You won. There it is. Juds, this is is a victory Victory
0: lap point here. Yeah. All right. So our third question. (laughs) Robbie's bitter. Rami (laughs) might win in here. Who knows? All right. So the third question. The other day we saw the video of a bat invading the Mets press box. (laughs) You guys have been in a fair amount of press boxes or know people who have been in a fair amount of press boxes in your time. So I want the weirdest or strangest thing to happen to you or happen in a press box that you were in?
2: So I almost got uh, hit, hit by a baseball that flew into the target field press box about four years back, and the ceiling panel is still broken because the ball bounced on the table right by me and bounced upwards and hit the ceiling panel. It broke it, but it has never been fixed. But that's not the oddest thing. The oddest thing is a 2006 game in Miami, Pro Player Stadium at that time or something like that. And, and basically the Dolphins... Um put you in what amounted to a baseball press box. So really close quarters. So it's Kevin Seifert, Patrick Royce, and yours truly in the front row. Unfortunately, the people behind us are the Vikings brass. As I remember, it was Kevin Warren, oh, Rob Brzezinski, and Rick Spielman. Well, we're sitting with Patrick. <laughs> so yeah. and this is 2006 <laughs> Childress. And this is this is, I believe, the game after the Patriots game at at Halloween time, if I'm not mistaken. And so this is where every, these were the Saban coach dolphins. And this is where everybody decided we're not going to run. We're just going to pass. We're going to pick this defense apart with the pass, which obviously did work and pulled the Vikings apart and they collapsed. Well, in the midst of this game, dolphins start to matriculate down the field, as they like to say, and Patrick can't help himself, and yeah, this is God. What the heck they God? and Seifert is like kicking Roycey below the table because these guys are right behind us, and we've got to cover these guys. And of course, Pat doesn't care. So yeah, these stupid. And it was just a uh, four quarters <laughs> of and and of course the the guys behind us are mad. And sort of red-faced, but they're not <laughs> saying anything. And see for now, like, don't do that. Oh, my God. That was the most, because. Did he know? Or did he, was he I did think he he didn't, not care? I think he didn't care. And that was incredibly uncomfortable because there was no way out. Like, these were all our seats. Yeah. yeah. So they weren't going to get up. There was nowhere. In a traditional football press box, they could have got up and just moved. But we, we were, like, in a broadcast booth, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So, all, so Patrick's, the sound is bouncing around and it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, that's classic Pat right there.
1: I would say uh, my answer to this, uh, it's sort of twofold. I did see a man wearing jorts and a Terry Tiffy jersey one time. <laughs> that's impressive. In the Chicago White that's Sox press great. box. But uh, a Twins employee once in the Metrodome had to be separated from Tom Powers, a columnist from the Pioneer Press one time. For uh, So Carl Polad passed away, the Twins' longtime owner. And uh, instead of painting... A rosy picture of Carl Polad's life. Mm-hmm. Tom Powers told it like he thought it was, and uh, didn't write a, did didn't not write take it, yeah. kindly to
4: that. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I I was not in this press box, so I don't know if that disqualifies me from from uh, from winning this point. But I saw an opportunity to tell a good story with audio evidence and give you guys some uh, radio entertainment. So this was in 2013. And uh, I'm doing my show from the studio down in Milwaukee, and two of our guys from the station, Tim Allen and Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, they were at Brewers Spring Training and about to go on the air with a special spring training show right after we got off the air at 6 o'clock. So in that last segment of the show, we were like, little crosstalk. Let's check in with the guys from spring training. We'll talk some Brewers and tease the show that's coming up. And then uh, mid-conversation, this occurs. And Gary, come back. For be it for be it They're for right. me to say it and and, and I saw Adrian Peterson send a tweet out. What happened out there, Sparky? Uh, Tim just almost had his head decapitated.
2: Watch he <laughs> <felt, laughs> it on the replay he there on the ball ABC video.
4: by. No, you're not. Ah, uh, you got a little cut. It hit him <laughs> in the forehead. I
0: think a little bit. <laughs>
4: Are you serious? Yeah.
0: It oh. Got a little
4: cut like somebody
2: scratched him. Uh, we're watching
0: him in the it head. on TV right here. Oh, air.
4: you're seeing. Well, then you'll see Tim get hit on TV right now. Tell yeah. me if he smiles. Let's see.
1: Here.
0: Is he
4: all right? Can I laugh? No, I don't it. know if you can laugh. Are it. they playing already? Is it on Tim. this pitch? No, Tim was... says you can laugh. <laughs> it's <was> the last <laughs> pitch. Rewind their back, joking's over. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, Rami, oh, yeah, I thing. I, just say <laughs> you one thing too?
2: You know, the when the Packers play get lost to ice. the Vikings yeah. at the Thanks. Metrodome. Yeah. yeah, I was amazed
4: at the stories I was hearing from <laughs> the Vikings beat guys about how Harvin had, had just turned on the Vikings, and they said, you know, it's one thing to not get along with Brad Childers. But head coach Leslie. Frazier I don't know if we need this part. part. Okay, is there yeah, something maybe... at the end that pays off, Jonathan? I don't remember I don't what happens remember. at the I mean, end. That's there. pretty funny though. That's but pretty good. here's the kicker. Here's the best part. So Tim wasn't on the air with us at the moment. He was sitting in the press box talking to Kevin Kennedy, having an off-air conversation with oh. Kevin Kennedy, who used to play for the Red Sox, yeah. who was on Fox Baseball for a long time, and Tim. Tim is blind. Tim is a blind man, and they told Kevin Kennedy this afterwards, and he goes, are you bleeping kidding me? He goes, I could have caught that thing. <laughs> oh, no. He goes, I oh, had no terrible. idea. He's like, I'd have been on my toes, and I could have definitely caught that thing if oh, I had man. known, and uh, Tim still has a nice
2: little nice little scar on the oh, forehead. So you really shouldn't have laughed, because it didn't cause a lasting impression. Uh, who got the last
1: point uh, there
0: quickly? That'd be Rami. Okay. <laughs> that's no good all,
3: right. Right. <laughs> Not all right. Good. It's touch
4: him all. The thing I keep hearing about Miguel Sano is he gets it when it comes to conditioning and nutrition.
0: Do you believe that he gets it there? It would be great for the twins if that's the case, but I think you're kind of just rooting for that. Look, it's possible that Sano has sort of had this light bulb moment, but we just can't know for certain until months later, maybe years later. In fact, I'm just a little bit skeptical right now after the number of times I've heard that.
4: Touch
3: them, all. Touch them all. Here, Score North. ScoreNorth.com.
4: In other news. In other news, it is well. It's usually done middle of the week, middle of the show, and we like to take a break from the hard-hitting sports talk. We bring you here at Score North. ScoreNorth.com and the Score North mobile app, and give you some of the weird and wacky stories. From outside the world of sports, including in Dateline Brazil, an unnamed parrot was taken into custody <laughs> in northern Brazil following a police raid targeting crack dealers. According to a report by The Guardian, police seized the bird in hopes of getting more information out of the loyal lookout. But according to Brazilian journalists, the faithful fowl kept its beak shut. The bird reportedly was taught to alert the criminals of nearby police and apparently was found cawing mum the police in Portuguese (laughs) right around the time that cops were preparing to raid the home of the two suspected crack dealers in Vila Irma Dulce, a neighborhood in northeastern Brazil. He must have been trained for this, local police told Brazilian media after the raid. Guardian reports as soon as the police got close... He started shouting, unfortunately for the criminals, the feathered lookout was unable to warn its owners in time for the raid. Police were (laughs) able to capture the alleged drug dealers, even while the pair squawked. A warning of their arrival, he was then seized and brought back to the station for questioning. (laughs) But the bird has chosen to plead the fifth, and police have been unable to retrieve any further information.
1: (laughs) Do they... they, they Put it in the back of a squad car? Like, how does the <laughs> transport. Do you cuff it? <laughs> cuff his little. Do you Mirandize the bird?
4: <laughs> you have the right to remain silent? He's like, you have the right to remain silent. <laughs> <laughs> He's just repeating everything back to him. In
1: other news. In other news. This is from Fox 8 Cleveland. I uh, hat tip to Rami for retweeting this earlier in the week. I got this from Rami. The long-awaited ending to what happens to everyone's favorite Avengers in Endgame is breaking early records and also leaving fans extremely emotional. A fan in China cried so much during the movie, she began hyperventilating and having trouble breathing, according to the international news. The woman was given oxygen and released from the hospital. That's right. A woman had to leave Avengers Endgame because she was hyperventilating and crying too much. I cried. Did you cry? I didn't full on cry, I but cried. I got a little teary eyed. Yeah. I'm not as immersed in the story, so it didn't hit me as hard as like Creed Two, for sure, instance, where yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> where, where he had to go to the hospital, yeah. <laughs> I was this person, yeah. I Bullies was this
2: person. <laughs> Who's got the oxygen?
1: <laughs> but, this, but there were there were people, so we probably sat we sat in one of the the smaller theaters at Saint Anthony, Maine. This is the old school, awesome theater uh, north of the river downtown. Yeah, and we were probably in the sixth row. And that means there's, like, 15 rows behind us. And it was, like, 15 rows filled of people just sobbing (laughs) throughout the last hour of the movie. Just
4: all the symbolism. (laughs) Was it really that sad? Jonathan
1: Jonathan was probably one of them. Yep, definitely. It wasn't sad.
4: It just had, like, a lot of, like, sentimental moments. Like, well, some of it was sad, but a lot of it was just sentimental over the course of... And this is it now? Yeah. There's 22,
2: you said? Yeah. I
4: I was trying to hide the fact that I was crying. I was with my buddy. And then... uh, at some point, he pulled a tissue out of his pocket and was just wiping his eyes. I was like, "Okay, I guess we're just not hiding it I now. Hide that? Let's just
2: let him really?
4: let it flow. Yeah, just I let never it hide flow.
2: it. I never hide it. Just let it go. It's but great. I don't know
4: if I would be like concerned or just pissed at that lady for ruining Avengers Endgame because you know there was like a big commotion. They yeah. had to stop the movie, turn on <laughs> Rob, the lights. Rob, <laughs> lady, get it together. I'm trying to watch a movie. Just crawl in the hallway and do this. Okay? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Get her out of here,
1: paramedics.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Two years ago, 39-year-old Deon Calloway was attempting a high-speed landing after uh, skydiving at the Cloverdale Municipal Airport in Sonoma County, California. When he shattered his left heel and eventually had to have his leg amputated below the knee. But we're not done. On April 21st, the Santa Rosa resident was back at it, skydiving. When he lost his leg again, his $15,000 prosthetic leg just flew off, Calloway told the press Democrat. "I've I've jumped with it before, but a rush of air got inside this time, he said. I tried to watch where it was falling, but I couldn't keep track. Early the next morning, workers at Redwood Empire Lumberyard spotted something they first thought was a soda can. Yard production manager Micah Smith said his first reaction was, oh, that's not a soda can. That's a leg. Where's the rest? The story ended happily after Smith called the sheriff's office where Callaway picked up his leg later that day. Quote, skydiving is my everything, Callaway said. I always seem to come back to it. I need to know more about skydiving and high-speed
4: landings because I feel like those two shouldn't go together. No, that's not. I don't think that's how it's supposed to end. I don't think a high-speed landing is the is the goal when you jumped out of an airplane. Clearly not. No.
1: But but I believe the beginning of the story said he was attempting a high-speed landing. Does that mean he was going was too fast I think he act- was, Yes. Yeah, I okay. think he
2: attempted to... I think he was going too fast. He's coming down, about to hit. And so he's like, I'm bleeped here. Yeah. And, and he attempted it and shattered his heel. And th- that led to the eventual amputation.
1: I know the answer But for, yeah, you're not supposed to do it. I've never skydived. I'm going to guess Judd probably hasn't skydived. Are <laughs> <laughs> you You've Hell never no. skydived? No.
2: Jonathan, have you he ever... He doesn't like to
0: fly. No. Would I you haven't. guys
2: ever skydive? No. no. No, no, no. I know people who have, and I don't know why. I'm not I mean, a, there's something like, do you, you want to die? There's something
1: intriguing about like the feeling of, but then the uh, the whole like logistical nightmare of trying to land without dying. I I'm probably out.
0: There's no good reason to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. No, sorry. If it's the plane was
4: going down, maybe. Yeah.
0: Maybe. Well, yeah.
4: Then you get the parachute. But no, I'm not jumping out of a perfectly operating plane. That's just stupid. It's just, I'm not a thrill seeker. I'm not an adrenaline junkie. Like, life is enough of the thrill for me. I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm <laughs> having fun. Making what? your own La Tortuga sandwiches is
1: it's, the exception exactly yes! thrill That's a thrill. That's, seeking. A thrill. Yeah. that's
2: thrill seeking. Yeah. What's the farthest that, that you guys would go as far as, that seems dangerous, but you'd do it? Like, go-kart racing? Besides becoming a Minnesota <laughs> sports fan? <laughs> well,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> well, that's a good point. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Uh, go-kart racing. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think of like I wouldn't I wouldn't climb mountains. I wouldn't skydive.
1: I've i cl- I've definitely done some some mountain hiking. I've done mountain Arizona. hiking. Hiking, yeah. but I'm talking about like scaling. Like have you guys ever seen uh what's the movie? I've seen it twice now. Uh, well, James the James Franco? No, the guy oh. the documentary about the guy who climbs up Mount up uh, uh, Yellowstone Park. The oh yeah, I saw free, uh, something about free
4: solo. I saw yeah, something about him no. on Sports Center. Yeah, that's stupid. It's amazing. Yeah, it's idiotic. My hands sweat watching that.
2: Like I become afraid watching it.
4: There was one time I was hiking on a mountain in Arizona, and I sometimes you can like lose the path, you know. Oh yeah. And when you're going down on a hike, there are sometimes big rocks, and you don't want to jump down. You can't really step down. So what you do is you like sit on your butt. Yeah and scoot down the rock. Yep. So there was this huge rock that I like I I scooted down and then I realized immediately I was like we are way off trail. I look my I look up my girlfriend is about to slide down behind me. I was like stop. I was like this is not where we're supposed <laughs> to be. And where I was like, this in Arizona. Yeah, I think Arizona's was, I think it was Camelback Mountain yeah. and I'm literally on a ledge that's maybe a foot and a half wide. Just standing there, and there's nowhere to go to my right. There's nowhere to go to my left. I have to go exactly back where I just came from. And that was the most terrifying experience of my life. It was almost a vertical rock face, and I just like summoned everything that I had. I pulled myself up this rock. I go over the top. And my girlfriend is freaking out the whole time. I get over the top, and I go, I'm freaking Superman. Yeah. That's who I am. I'm Superman. And she was like, you are, baby. That was awesome. <laughs> like, we were both just, we were sure I was going to die And the adrenaline. Yeah. It was, oh, I do not, there's no way I'd voluntarily put myself in a situation like that. No way.
1: That was in other news. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. We wrap with Royce when we come back.
2: All right, time to wrap with Roycey from the TCL Broadcast Studios and saw Patrick today at Target
5: Field. Those
2: Astros are nothing, Pat.
5: They're not that oh, good. Oh, man, it's a, it's a mismatch. The Astros oh. also headed for Monterey, New Mexico, by the way, where they have a series this weekend. And uh, I think there's a game on Saturday that has a 100% chance of rain and a game on uh, Sunday that has 90% chance of rain. So... uh they got to be feeling bad, don't they, that they uh, they did to come in here, get their arses kicked, and now they got to fly to Mexico to get rained out a couple of times? That's not uh, that's not too good. I think baseball ought to quit these international contests, don't you? I'm uh, with you, Pat. Last year, when, last year when the Twins went to Puerto Rico, they had to wait out a wait out monsoon, and <laughs> then they played 15 innings. They got done about 2 o'clock in the morning.
4: I don't know. Stupid. I saw they have games That's scheduled crazy. in London for 2020.
5: Yeah, yeah, we're going to London. I think Yankees, Red Sox, too. Yeah, yes. we're giving we're, we're wasting good games on uh, London. What, what do they care? About the Yankees and the Red Sox. They don't yeah, give the them difference. give them the Marlins or something. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, right. Give give them the Marlins as an entity. You know, they should beat the NFL to London and send the Marlins over there. And you know what the Marlins could do. The Marlins could play like the first 81 games at home, and then the next 81, uh, they could just come over here and travel along. Yeah, uh, that that would take care of the travel problem, I think, right there. So, so,
1: anyway. so, so Pat, the, the Twins were off to a good start, and then the last two days they beat they they take three of four from the Astros, and Corey Kluber uh, broken bones, and this thing. This thing went from, oh, it's a nice start for the Twins to, wow, this is their division right now. I mean, like, Corey Kluber's oh, out yeah. for an extended period of time.
5: Uh, I heard you talking about that, and, you know, people are saying, oh, Cleveland maybe should go get the Dallas title. It's a hell of a lot more likely that they're going to throw it to overpower and give up on it. I mean, the owner basically gave up. He had, uh, he had the best starting rotation in the American League in the in baseball probably when it was fully healthy in the end and now he's already lost Clevenger and Kluber, but and basically went out and ruined his lineup. So uh, you know, instead of taking one last shot at trying to win it. Yeah, I I was saying, uh, leaving spring, you know, just when I first saw that Cleveland lineup here, you gotta win eighty four games uh to win the division. You might be able to win it at five hundred. Uh, you might be able to be 81 and 81. Who else is going to go 500 if uh, if Cleveland decides to uh, trade Bauer, which a lot of people think they're going to do?
1: Yeah, and if the Twins just play 500 from this point going forward, they'd finish with 85 or 86 wins.
5: Oh, yeah. 85 or 86 will win this division in a walk. You know, there's no doubt about it. I'm just... I'm just worried about that plucky club in Detroit, though, with manager Gardy, Man, he's got uh, he's got them battling. He's got them uh, fighting. They were, uh, I think, they're one game under 500, which means you're a contender in this division, right?
3: Yeah. Are they
1: battling? or Are they battling their tails off? Because there's oh, two different stuff. levels of battle.
5: Their tails have their tails have been worked raw, baby, for all the battling that they've done. <laughs> that doesn't sound good, they Pat. Got, they got bleeding buttocks. Oh. Uh, ben works so hard. God, oh, start. <laughs> I, miss, I miss that. I told you guys two years two years ago, I went up to see him on the first day of workouts up in Lakeland, and uh, he said something about the first day of uh, bullpen sessions, and he said, yeah, this guy was really throwing the fire out of the ball, and I said, that's not the last time you're gonna hear yeah.
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really, it, and I, I bet there's a couple relievers. I haven't watched a lot of Tigers games, but there's a couple lefty relievers yeah. who are really spinning it too, aren't there?
5: Wow, well, they're spinning it. I, uh, you know, they won. They won two out of three at Yankee Stadium when they were in there earlier this year. It Was a three out of four? I, they won a series in there. And I texted them and I said, "Same old Guardy. You've always had good luck in the Bronx." And uh, signed it, Gracie and he says, he, about an hour later, he responds, You're getting real funny as an old man. <laughs> oh. So,
2: uh, hey, Pat, but, what uh, What about the twins so, so far and with the way that they played, especially of late? What surprised you the most? What didn't you expect?
5: Okay. Crone's a better player than I thought. Mm hmm. Scope's a better player than I thought. Uh,. That the middle of the, you know, the middle of the infield is, is, is workable. I, I, I've never been real high on Polanco as a shortstop. Uh, but, uh, he's playing okay and Scope's playing okay. And as we've talked about, infield play is completely different anyway. You don't have to have range anymore because you got three guys standing on each side of the field when a hitter's up there. And, uh, that surprised me. And the bullpen, I guess, is surprising. You know, I wrote about this for tomorrow, but they got a star in that bullpen. Taylor Rogers is a, one of the best left-handed relievers in, in baseball. I mean, his numbers are unbelievable. He mm-hmm. didn't get scored on his last 28 games last year. He's got that slider that he throws on his right-handed hitter's uh, hands. He throws 95. Uh I guess... You know, we all said all spring they don't have a closer. Well, they could have one if they wanted to use a pitcher that way now, but they don't. They'd rather pitch him in the seventh inning against the meat of the order, and uh, it's a whole new deal here. But the bullpen is—I talked about that yesterday. I guess they—they got three guys you don't think too much of, but what the heck, they got five. They—if Romero can pitch, they got five guys you can send out there now. So that that's that's good enough i guess that surprised me a little uh here's one thing that surprised me in a negative way i don't like vannette at all i thought he was going to be better but i don't like him at all uh i think he's not in good shape he's uh wears out uh that stuff is uh ordinary doesn't throw as hard as he used to i that that's my concern i guess Oderizzi's. Even though he stunk a couple times early, is what now was it four straight decent starts or three straight decent starts, and a really good one the other day. So maybe he's a little better than we thought. I, I don't know. I guess just in general, they're they're better than better than we thought. I I did have hope for Buxton after seeing him this spring, just the aggressive way that he was taken. So I guess I'm not surprised by that that he's uh, that he's become a, a a big asset to this team. I mean, he made two. Outstanding catches again today. He'd be basically, you know, catches for two of the twenty seven outs that other center fielders probably don't make. So he's, it is amazing what he can do uh for you uh in the field if, uh, if he's if he's playing and he's healthy. And he hasn't uh has he injured he injured himself once, right? He missed one game.
4: Yeah, he ran into a wall and one had game. a uh, uh yeah. a back contusion is what they called it.
5: Well that's right. So that's and he only missed one, he came back the next day. So the one
4: anyway, the one pitcher it. you didn't mention, Pat, Martin Perez looks like a whole new man from what we saw yesterday and have seen in, in the few starts he's had.
5: Yeah, well that was something because It started off as gonna be a complete mess. But uh you know, they got him throwing different pitches. He uh used to be a fastball pitcher and uh and now they got him throwing that cutter. A lot. And, uh, you know, a lot of breaking pitches and they, and that was, uh, you know, what they told him, throw more breaking pitches and you can be an effective pitcher again. They, you know, he was supposed to be a phenom what, five, six years ago. <laughs> and they thought he was going to be the real deal down there and be a great starter. And, uh, he just it, uh, threw enough strikes and, uh, didn't, and then he got a tendency to blow up when he had a chance to win a game and stuff. But, uh, you know, they they found something here. There's no doubt about it. Yeah,
1: Pat, if you get a chance, go go listen. Pat, if you get a chance, go listen to uh, Glenn Perkins today. He talked on the on the Glenn Perkins show. Find it if you're if you're uh, out there listening. Just Google Scornorth Twin I, Show. Uh, he talked with Ryan Presley it. for ten minutes, and it was really interesting.
5: I, I heard a snippet of it today earlier on your show when you played it. Yeah, it was good. I've always liked Presley a lot. You know, we were, we've been. I, I was saying today. This is a really good club. Think how good they'd be if they still had Escobar and Presley. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, if you had Escobar playing third base, the National League Player of the Year of the week, I mean, and uh, and Presley, you had Presley or Rogers in that bullpen, and you got you got something going the way he's throwing now.
1: Yeah. Uh,
5: well, yeah, a arm,
1: anyway. I've got MLB trade rumors list of free agent pitchers for next year, open and ready to rock for everybody the next two months. Cause the twins, uh, they're in a spot where they should definitely make a trade or two. There's no reason not to at this point. We'll see what they do, I guess.
5: Uh, well, we'll see about the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the starting pitching, see, how you see how, I got hope for uh Lewis Thorpe being up here by the middle of the summer. Right. Uh he had a couple of lousy performances early this year, but I I think he's way ahead of the rest of those guys as far as uh a potential. That guy can that guy's got a good arm on him and it might be time to take a look at him this summer too. Yeah.
1: All right, Pat, we'll talk tomorrow.
5: All right, goodbye.
1: See yeah, let's wrap ya. it with Roycey every day here on the show. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna save this maybe for tomorrow's show. Mm-hmm. But I do have a full list, I'm sort of going through it here, from MLBTradeRumors.com, of pitchers who are set to be free agents next year, thus could be traded very easily here in the next couple months. I like so The Twins should have their eye on.
2: Ooh, this is thinking ahead. Last mm-hmm. uh, The last week, Buxton's made three great catches, in, in which he is going at the fence at full speed, and he's now pulling up and grazing the fence, not running into oh, but it. I think he finally got steps. this. I think the Zolgadian plan was told to Byron quit crashing into the fence. You're not a defensive back. It's not funny.
1: Why don't they just why don't they just like put better padding in center field or something? Like couldn't they do that? Cuz they just, just in the though? area that he roams. He's, pro- or-
2: he's proving that you can make he's proving he can pull up. That's the key to me. Like you don't need to engage the fence.
1: What if it was like trampoline material, you know, and he he could just what kind do of you of want him to go back towards and, home yeah. plate like he flies <laughs> he into the second in deck field.
2: Yeah, he, with the force <laughs> dead, he runs into walls. Exactly. <laughs> Well, it appears Buxton's not getting up again as he, would, he is now behind home plate at Target Field. He would
4: bounce off the wall and roll like Sonic the Hedgehog right, right well, back into the infield.
1: What's that material they use in NASCAR after all these, like when Dale Earnhardt What, do you want to wear a died? fire
2: retardant suit, too? Oh, yes. He's combusted! He was going too fast! What's that headgear they wear so they don't get whiplash? <laughs> yeah, isn't it the... What, do you want him to have a walkie-talkie to? Okay, I'm coming in from Centerfield today. I make this catch. uh, It's time for Byron Buxton to pit in the dugout. It's like
1: they've got walls in NASCAR that just absorb the cars my greatest. Nothing happens. It's like a
2: a pillow. It's like an airbag. They should have
1: airbags that you can deploy from the center field wall. My great
2: analysis of crashing defenses was (laughs) lost.
1: Uh, So two things. uh, Mackie and Jubb with Rami on demand. Anywhere you find podcasts and the Scornorth mobile app is a great place to start. And the Scornorth twin show with how great the twins are. It's a five day a week show and Glenn Perkins hosts on Thursdays Find it on the mobile app, Apple Store, Google Play, and we'll see you guys tomorrow for a little uh, Write That Down Friday.
2: Oh, yeah, Um, I'll talk to you later. Bye.